Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg Podcast, episode 448. Got it right this time. Mitch on the other side of the Zoom, Charlie here with you. We got a special guest joining us, the one, the only Nolan Murphy. He'll be on to talk about the Packers, the state of the Packers, the state of Aaron Rodgers. Just how he's feeling. Him and I both went to the Packer game. We'll talk about, honestly, the worst loss of my lifetime. I think of a lot of Packer fans' lifetime, and we'll go, we'll go through it and talk about that. Talk about Bucks trade deadline options. We'll also get Mitch's takes on Grace and Allen, as that story probably won't die because the Bucks are on ESPN this week. So you know ESPN is going to run that right into the ground. If there's time, maybe we'll go around the college landscape, not only in football, but in basketball as well. So, But we, we might be a little low on time. With Murph, it always is a long, long time with him. So let's welcome on Nolan Murphy. He's at the Nolan Murphy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he doesn't tweet as much as I think he used to, but we still get some good content from him every now and again. So let's welcome on Murph and talk about the Packers and Niners and anything else football related. All right. As mentioned, our very special guest, Nolan Murphy, guy I watched the end of the Packers season with, uh, joins us. He said, decided he wanted to come on this week to talk Packers, talk about how he's feeling, uh, everything else. It's almost – some would say it's close to Tuesdays with Aaron, with Pat McAfee, but um, that's just some. Murph, I, hi, where are you at? How you doing? What's going on? What's up, boys? Uh, yeah, a lot of buzz about my appearance uh, on Pat McAfee's show. That'll never happen. But um, I am, you know, I think, you know, the stages of grief get thrown around. Mitch definitely threw that around. Um, I think I'm somewhere yeah. between three and five. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere between three and five. I don't think I can get to four because I'm not 12 anymore. I mean, if I was 12 years old, most of my Packer stuff would have been in the garbage, posters ripped down. You know, you know, looking for other teams definitely would have been thrown out there, but uh, I got too much in the game now. Right, too much invested, and I got I, I got thirty years invested in this football team. <laughs> we yeah, all do, I mean, man. Gosh, I've been I've been around longer than most ownership groups. So yeah, you know, that, and, that's how I feel. Well, and I was saying it how there's so many people, how so many kids right now that don't remember the 2010 Super Bowl. Like if you think about it, a lot of basically whatever is after Gen Z, I think it's Gen Alpha. Like basically all these high schoolers don't remember the Super Bowl the Packers had, which is wild to think about. Like you think about, oh, it was 11 years ago. and well, Yeah, because they were like six when... years old. I know, less than that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's... Bad, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I and... mean, I don't remember it either, but for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, you can put – I mean, I was physically there, not mentally, so <laughs> – but it's just it, – it, it's crazy just how it happened. I don't think, you know, you and I heading into that stadium, I don't think we, we had any thought that that was going to be the outcome. Like, if someone told us at a tailgate before the game, like, a, you know, whatever, Nostradamus was in there saying to us, hey, they're going to lose 13-10. to 10. They're not going to actually give up a touchdown. They're just going to give up a block punt for a touchdown. I would have told the guy, you're so fucking crazy. How high are you? Um, and it would, it would have never crossed my mind. That was going to be the outcome of this game. 
Yeah, I mean, other than Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, that's probably the worst yeah. nightmare scenario right? you could have happened. And it yeah. did. And it's the way, you know, I've rewatched big moments of the game and been on and off social media. The way it happened, um, I think we all knew there we needed to get a touchdown. We didn't. But it happened so quick. And, you know, I get accused of being a really obnoxious, cocky Packer fan. And I think you brought up 2010. That's developed since then because the stakes were always so high and we were always so favored. And the only way for me to get through my anxiety of being a Packer fan was not to run from the pressure, but just, you know, literally do a mat floor and continue to pump the crowd up. Um, so it makes for Sundays – you know, like we had the day after, like, you know, it feels like I, you know, I told Charlie this, um, but it feels like part of me died at Lambeau that night. Now, hopefully, you know, it's something like my liver where you can rejuvenate it and it regrows back, but uh, it'll take a while. Um, and that extra week, you know, between the Super Bowl, it's going to be long. And, you know, unfortunately, I have a lot of practice at dealing with this, you know, in the last 11 years and a lot of us do. So, but I never saw it coming and that's what hurts the most. And to get really deep makes you think about why you love sports and should you put all these eggs in one basket? And, you know, then you think about the other side, like it's really not that important. There's so much other awful things going on in the world, but being a Packer fan and being the Packer fan that I am, like it allows you to get through, you know, the dog days of winter and, you know, thinking about how bad your fantasy football team is in the fall and, We've always been able to look forward to Sundays and specifically the last few years. Like there's very few Sundays we didn't go in thinking we were going to win. So it's just, there's a lot of finality out there that could come that we're not, I'm not going to waste too much time on thinking about the hypotheticals, but it's, it's darker than most days in season's ending. Um, now I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that as a, as an open. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I, I think there is that feeling of, what's next? Like, where, where does it happen? You know, even if Rogers comes back, which I think is more likely just given the stuff that I'm hearing from him, from Rappaport, I just feel like there are not connecting. And if he doesn't come back to the Packers, it's because he's retiring and he's just done with the bullshit of the day to day. I don't think he wants to go through the day to day and the media with another media. He is, well insulated in Green Bay, the media who could argue protects Aaron Rodgers, and but still the what you said about like going into it thinking we're going to win, we'll still feel that with Aaron Rodgers, but for the first time maybe ever, it's not like okay we're going to the playoffs are like we'll get into the playoffs, we'll get here, and everything's going to like come together, go to the Super Bowl. There's now this like thought of it just going sideways yet again and what will happen next and it almost feels like we're cursed in a way that isn't exactly a curse but just like how many more the how many more dick punches can we take yeah and and you hope you break through you hope it doesn't end this way there's not many teams where it's ever ended this way mitch i'll bring this up to you i mean i had someone say like oh i'm glad i'm not a bills fan like, I, yeah. if I was a Bills fan, I would be thinking, like, what a Packers fan felt like after the 2009 loss to the Cardinals. Like, yeah. holy cow, we're going to be so good. Like, we're going to win five Super Bowls. So, would you agree with me that 
being a Packers fan this week is worse than being a Bills fan? And it's worse. I mean, uh, probably. I, I, I think just because of the overall uncertainty going into the offseason, that's, that's obviously made this, this loss for the Packers one of the worst of our lifetimes. I'm not going to say the worst, but, or I should say of, yeah, I guess our lifetime, but so it's probably the worst in the last five years. I mean, I, I, I you know, but the bills, you're right. I mean, it was kind of a, I guess it was the Josh Allen coming out party. I mean, it was, it was like, okay, this dude can hang right with Patrick Mahomes you know, with probably 40 million people watching and however many other thousand, you know, in the, in the, in the stands on the road, like just making play after play. Um, but, you know, ultimately Mahomes got the best of him and reminded everyone, as, as Tony Romo said about 50 times uh, in the fourth quarter, so, you know, that Patrick Mahomes is still here and it's, it's a legacy thing. And, um, but, you know, I, I think the future is still pretty bright for Buffalo, whereas for Green Bay, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, weird situation. It feels a lot like the 2007 loss to the giants where it's like, man, that, that sucks. Um, a couple of things would have went differently. You know, we're not, we're not talking the same. And then on top of it, now we got to face some, some potentially harsh realities coming out of the game. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that um, the bill's future is, is at this time probably better than the Packers just because we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. You know, well, of course it's brighter because they have a younger quarterback. I'm just saying the feeling of the loss, but you know, what I will say though, is like, you know, and this is probably my fault. I've had trouble. I don't want to talk about the loss. Like I was there at the scene of the crime and that's probably not the right thing to do and call me a poor loser, but there, you know, it's been a long two days of just, for everybody, the feeling of blaming Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you had a social media account on Sunday and you weren't a Packer fan, there was a pretty good chance you were exchanging some sort of Aaron Rodgers dig, which is totally fine. I mean, that's probably where I will always remember of just kind of being embarrassed personally for backing up, you know, this quarterback of ours that we all love, but backing up because I thought he had was out to prove something that would show up at the time when, you know, he needed to the most, which would have been Saturday night when we needed him just to, you know, put together one drive and finish this game off. So I'm just a little embarrassed because like I am the cocky Packer fan that, you know, waves his finger and there's not much you can do, you know, uh, on, you know, the days after outcomes like that. So, well, that's, that's kind of where I, why I've had my head down. So that's, that's well, and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rogers wrote so many fucking checks that his, his ass couldn't cash this year. Yeah. Um, so that's <laughs> a lot of people like all of us, I guess, to some extent have egg on their face and there's just, I don't know. It, it's, it's, no. it's a tough one to, uh, to, to sort of, you know, climb back on. I you think know, the question yeah. the, the question is can you even be cocky next year if the Packer well, let's just say Rogers and Adams come back it's like okay cool like it's a weird like NBA sort of thing right you know when Giannis was like I don't want to win MVPs anymore I just want to win championships and we talked a little bit about this with Rogers a few months ago whatever but now it's like real 
because none, nothing matters in the regular season. Nothing matters right. when, you know, this happens because there, I feel like post McCarthy Rogers has this point to prove about like, he is, he won that war. I think we can all agree that Aaron Rodgers already won that war. All right. Like he doesn't need to prove it in the playoffs by like just hero balling it and not just being Aaron fucking Rodgers. He becomes something else and gets in his own head. And he knew that the, the pressure was just so big. And I don't think any of us realize that it would just, it would overcome and it would be too, it'd be too much on that Saturday night. Well, and what yeah, I was going to say mean, is, is what I was going to say is when Murph said outside of Rogers getting hurt that night, you would have thought, and I thought, well, I think Rogers did get hurt. His brain got broken a little bit. Um, he just, I don't know. Outside of that first drive, it was um, just a weird game. No, go ahead. Yeah, Murph. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine putting accountability on Rogers. That's where it starts. And we don't need, like, it is on him because that's what you get. You get the awards and accolades and you get the heat when you lose. And you're right, Mitch. Like he did went way above and beyond this year of finding people to, you know, be ready to troll on him. So to blame. he just, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he has not played well in these spots. He doesn't have that Joe Montana, Tom Brady, like, he isn't feared anymore, and you just hope that this team, if it, you know, I can't even say when it comes back together because I have so much egg in my face. If it comes back together, they look at this like the 20, you know, 20 bucks in the bubble did. So, yeah, and I mean, we've seen stories like this all the time where people bounce back and they find it. Are you, do you think like this hurts more because like it just felt like such a lock? that it like the road was paved like there's no Mahomes there's no Josh Allen Tom Brady's team did, was did not look like what Tom Brady was like I think that's the thing that's going to make me the most mad now if the Rams uh, uh, I'll phrase it this way better if the Rams come out and dominate the Niners like let's say they went like 31 to 14 and I feel like the Rams have turned a corner is there a part of you that wonders would this have just happened to the Packers and does that make it worse? Does that make it better? I, I have no idea. Like where, where are you at with that? If the Rams come out and just dominate the Niners next Sunday? Yeah, I don't think that matters. I might have a tough time watching that game. I was, you know, kind of ready to at least cheer for Brady. Um, if he pulls that game off against the Rams. So, you know, I'll, I usually cheer for the AFC team anyways, and you know, I'll be probably cheering for the Chiefs. Just, you know, at no point is Rodgers even in a place to catch Mahomes' legacy at this point, which is crazy to think about. But I'd rather people pat on their legacy than Jimmy G or Matt Stafford get a you know, Super Bowl. So call me selfish for thinking that way. But, yeah, it, it's it's there's nothing that can fix this other than, you know, scoring other than Aaron Jones staying in bounds you know like the only things that are fixable from this is going back in time and that's not going to happen so you just kind of have to deal with it and I'm not you know I'm not someone anymore that's like can make I didn't pass so at the moment you know I can't fix the special teams I can't tell Aaron Rodgers to come back I just we're kind of a victim of this um which is what everyone would sign up for in the league you know everyone would sign up for to have, have a problem like this ultimately. 
Oh, 100%. I mean, Bears fans love to make fun of us. Uh, Vikings fans love this was their Super Bowl. They had fun. They had their jollies. They're still getting off on it, even though the Bears are probably going to hire fucking Jim Caldwell and be back to square one. It, basically no different than Matt Nagy. But the fact is, is they would take this nine times out of ten and they would take this feeling this way and, you know, trying to be like, all right, we got to retool how we think about, you know, this Packers team and how do we look at it and really, really look critical at a lot of the stuff and know that it all matters and, you know, hope that this year is a, is a wake up call and almost like a slap in the face. It should be. And I felt like, do you feel like, I don't know how much Mac you listen today um, that Rogers had some remorse for being so just gung ho about everything. I felt like he, he had some remorse in his voice and just some of the things that he was saying felt like he was kind of trying to walk back a little bit of being this quote unquote divisive figure. Yeah. I think it's kind of what I feel like, you know, and I wasn't, I just supported Aaron Rodgers, and yeah. it wasn't as much for the COVID stuff. It was more about the off season and that he had something to prove. So yeah, I think today he might've realized that the beast got too big. And I realized that, you know, on Sunday that like they were, we were just too all in on this kind of like this bit that we were playing and you know we'll regret it but you'll look back and you know hope that Rodgers learns from it and you know the only thing I'll say about like the Bears and Vikings fans and like this is probably off of a slogan I've used a lot but it it does prove to me like that they're not rivals um you know we would never celebrate anything like that and we we definitely have one clear rival in the NFC now and the one we thought coming into this and it's the Niners and until we beat them in the playoffs and beat them a couple times like until we solved the Kyle Shanahan issue, which he now has beaten us four times. If you include the Falcons blowout in the NFC championship game, you know, we can't beat Kyle Shanahan when it matters. Um, so I want that written all over the building. So that's what I would do. But like, I don't care about the Vikings and Bears fans. Um, like, you know, let's, let's see you guys get to 500 here and we can talk in a couple of years. Right. Let's yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm no. glad. Hey, I'm glad Robbie Gold's going to find a place to hopefully win a Super Bowl. You know, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to be uh Absolutely. It wasn't going to be on South Lake Mission. No, and it, it is true. And I I guess, Mitch, do you think – so obviously you've heard Murph and I and you're less of a Packer fan and you've called yourself a Packer troll at times. Do you think like the Packer fan attitude, whether – let's just say Rogers stays, do you think the Packer fan attitude changes or do you think like we're all back on our bullshit come – early November when the Packers are, are six and two, seven and seven and one and, and looking like a juggernaut again. Well, yeah, if you put it, you know, if you put it at week 10 and they're once again, I don't know though, because as one of you guys, forgive me, I don't even remember who said it in this podcast, but it's like, uh, I mean, they, Well, now I lost my train of thought. My bad. No, it's okay. Um, so, so to ask again, like, if they're if, fan... if they're eight and two, if they're eight and two, I think people will 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 be excited. But you know, you, again, you you have to prove it in the playoffs. I mean, you you have to. It's all about that. It's all about at this point. I mean, for Rogers' legacy, if Rogers is back, obviously, which is what we're talking about here. I mean, yep. you you have to you you have to do it in the playoffs, and I think there will be people will be a little bit more reserved. And yeah, yeah. then, then they, then they have been, 
And I mean, you know, you live around Packer fans and I think for the most part, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's all, it's all walks of life and all angles. Some people are very arrogant. Some people are very, um, you know, terrified of the 49ers, which that certainly came to fruition. I think that was the only game, the, the only way the Niners could have won that game is basically what happened, which sucks. Um, but it's just, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think people would be, I think the attitude does change at this point overall. Um, just, you know, okay, we're, we're 10 and one Lafleur, show me something in the playoffs. Rogers, show me something in the playoffs. It, it, it is kind of Bucksy coming out of the bubble where it's like, okay, this is all great. I mean, you're, 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 you have a 700 winning percentage, but um, you know, we won championships and, and people are, I don't know. The, the fan base when it, when it came to Rogers was just, it was, you know, Saturday night after the game, listening to post game shows and um, Sunday, you know, on social media, just, God, they, people turned on Rogers. So, so quick. And um, yeah, it was, as you guys mentioned, I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, we've never seen a star quarterback divide life like this. And that's yeah. his fault. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah I, his fault or his fault for giving his opinion, but it, we've never seen, this is LeBron. This is LeBron hate. You know, that's the only yeah. thing comparable. to. Yeah, absolutely. And I said, you know, if I was Rogers PR guy, I would tell him straight up, like liberals are Packer fans too. Like you gotta, like, you just gotta tone it back. And I think that's kind of what he started to do on Tuesday with McAfee is just start to like understand that. Yeah. You cannot give a fuck, but you don't need to have every opinion. Like I would love to hear the conversation that LaFleur and him had. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's just, we fucked this up. You and I just need to work harder at this. You can't check out everything. You got to trust me more. I don't know. I have no idea what it was because Murph, you said you watched. I haven't really watched it. Um, and did Rogers check out a lot? That was a lot of people saying that to me that Rogers did a lot of checks at the line and things like that in the second half. Yeah, I'm not gonna speculate on that because you don't know if they're fake checks right. either. You know, sure. they're, they're, they were just psyched out by Kyle Shanahan. You know, ultimately they have played him enough times that they don't even because they stray from being themselves so much and so many times. You know, I just hope that like. Rodgers takes some time, watches man in the arena, just takes some notes from Tom Brady, which I will do, and just like channel that because that's worked a lot more times than whatever he's done. Um, because we have like this like early 2000s Colts thing on us now. Yeah. You know, yeah. where we, that, that's, that's like where my mind went is like, even though we've won the Super Bowl, it's so long ago now yeah. that this is like, we can't, you know, this is way on Matt LaFleur's resume right now. Um, and this is on Aaron Rodgers' resume. So, like, I'm sure he'll have the biggest gap of all time if they do win a Super Bowl, maybe other than Brady of, you know, between wins. Um, but he, that's what has to keep him going because, as I said the other night, like, I don't think he can go out after what just happened this last year and what happened over the weekend. And he, he can't expect to be thought of as majority – of Packer fans thinking he's greater than Brett Favre. Yeah, I don't think like, that always was, had to come with another Super Bowl. 
and it was really interesting too to step for hear him say like i'm not gonna be one of those people that retires for a year and comes back like if i'm gone i'm gone which was kind of a dig at Favre, and like i, I it, like him and Favre are friends he said he talked to Favre recently so like it wasn't like a full out like shots fired at Favre, but i think that clearly affected him back in july and i think a lot of these Packer fans that want him traded or want him gone and want to start fresh it's you feel that way now but you're going to get that itch to have rogers back from july come august and it's it's in and especially if Devontae comes with especially i mean this is all from like what i've read this you know offseason they think they could maybe get one of the smiths back with a restructure preston not not uh zedarius um you know, I, I, I think that there, if you get Rasul, figure that out. Like, I mean, you got a team. You, you, I know it's, it's, I have no idea. They, they say they have a plan. I believe that the fact that LaFleur was so like direct in like, we have a plan, we know what we're going to do. And, and who knows, maybe like, this is more of a zag, but like, maybe they spent too much time worrying about what happens next in the Super Bowl versus not seeing what's in front of them. And I, and to Murph's point, like you can't beat Kyle Shanahan and you need to work on everything possible to beat Kyle Shanahan and talk to whoever you need to, to figure that out. Whether that's Bill Belichick, whether that's, uh, you know, fucking a Parcells really is a bad example, but you get my point. Like talk to guys who've won, who've been there and who understand what it takes to sort of get over that hump. It's not yeah, I, I think they did way too much looking ahead. Even Rogers, you know, when he said that he was ready to make the decision in two and hopefully three weeks, like Tom Brady never does that. So, and I know people get no. upset at me about the Tom Brady stuff, but he's the gold standard, you know, sure. yeah, my entire no, football life. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's just, that's what you need to be. And like, that's probably what I will get back to being more of. And, you know, you know whatever, what I will tell you is like, I'm, I'm so I don't even think about the cap. The NFL salary cap is fake. So if you're worried about that and you're gonna watch the networks for the next three weeks and four weeks, God bless you. Keep the ratings up. The ratings, you know, Packers' interest and fan interest is not gonna wane. This is great for content, but like the salary cap is fake. So whatever they're telling you is not to like educate you. It's to keep you around and have you worry about the salary cap. And this might be out of left field, but like Rodgers isn't coming back on a forty-two million dollar cap hit. And Devontae is also probably not getting fake franchise tag because that means Devontae wouldn't sign that franchise tag till June. And that means they don't have a whatever, $20, $25 million cap hold on the, the cap until he actually signs that. So, like, you have to understand that, like, as much as we crush Russ Ball, he has a plan here. And, you know, we can go down the list. But I can tell you the guys that are not coming back on their contracts and their name, you know, the contract that they start with. And it starts with Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, um, Aaron Rodgers. Adrian Amos, both the Smiths, Dean Lowry. I mean, like people, Aaron Jones, potentially Billy Turner, like people's deals are going to look different and that's fine. The Bucks just did it. The Bucks just became the first like ever football team we've ever seen bring all 22 starters back. Like, do you think they yeah. worried about the caps? No, the NFL cap is fake. So like, if you're really like, just not in a great place about this, just worry until Aaron makes his decision, because if not all then it's just going to talk about the cap and it's going to be nonsense. I think that's great advice. I do have one fun question for you to finish this or you can keep going until you need, until you get all of it out. But 
are, how excited are you for the Packer fans to talk themselves in and maybe yourself too, into Jahan Dotson or Jameson Williams. And then the Packers drafted left tackle in the first round. Yeah. I mean, Jameson Williams, I'll talk myself into. I've been down that road many times, you know, with Eric Berry, you know, my uh, draft board speaks for itself. So we probably wouldn't be here today. For, you know, maybe it opened a little bit more of my mail over the years, but for another day and another story. Um, yeah, I don't think that's the problem either. Like offensive line and defensive line win you Super Bowls. So yep. that's where I would go. No, I, think, I would um, too. Yeah, we like, hey, Aaron Rodgers threw to two guys the other night. So what would he, <laughs> you think he would have thrown to Jamison Williams? Probably not. Yeah. Like, you know, he probably, he, he probably would have thought he ran the same type of routes as Amari Rodgers does. So, um, oh, yeah, I know, man. Well, yeah, do you have uh, I'm not even there. You, you know how much I love to draft. Um, no, I know. And, and it's, I can't even go there. Like, uh, it's it's just, uh, you know, the nice thing is, you know, I continue to tell myself I'm not 12, got a great life, got a great job, and kind of just, uh, you know, get back into reality land. I was, uh, I had let myself um, kind of plan out my next couple of weeks, just like Aaron Rodgers, and they didn't consist of being here on Super Bowl Sunday, I'll tell you that. So, well, um, it is what it is, but, we'll, you know, we'll be back. Yeah. And uh, last, last question. And Mitch, if you have one, you can obviously ask. If the Bucs were to go back-to-back with Giannis, and let's say Rodgers comes back, does Giannis kind of overtake Rodgers as the guy in Wisconsin? Or has he I already? I never would have said this, but I think because, because you know, the NFL is just such way bigger than the NBA, and the Packers right. are way bigger than the Bucs. You, you can never defend that. I would say in Milwaukee, Giannis is past Aaron just because of what he's done for the city that was never supposed to win an NBA championship and was, you know, close to being sent to another city. So like that flip has happened and Rogers divided a lot of people. Giannis is kind of like Tom Brady. Like he's not too outspoken. He chooses his spots. So I don't, I don't think it'll ever get there. I think if Christian Yelich somehow like realized how to swing a bat again and, you know, the Brewers won the world series, maybe, but I think, um, you, you're never going to be bigger than a Packer in the state. Yeah. Yeah. There are guys I, at Lambeau. Like that's, Milwaukee. That's probably Milwaukee fair. Totally. Yeah. Milwaukee. Totally. Like, I think Giannis is bigger here, but like, you're just never going to be bigger than the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. It's like a top five, like sports job in the U S. So it's, you know, like being an all, it's like being an all NBA point guard in the Knicks or a score. Like you're just, you're going to get the endorsements. You're going to move the needle. Um, so that, that's life, but Hey, if the Bucks want to go back to back, it'll be awesome because there'll be more and more fans and it will really, you know, I always say Bucks season starts after the Packers lose. So uh, that started on Monday for me. Absolutely. Well, the Bucks didn't play for it. The Bucks got two nights off or three nights off after the, after the game. So yeah. When people hear me and say, and I tell them like my winner starts the day after the Packers lose, it was really convenient. We got like four inches of snow and it's been zero the whole time. So yeah, it was uh, brutal today. It was absolutely, I, I think I was colder today walking my dog than I was at Lambeau field. I'll be honest. Like I was absolutely freezing. It was biting cold outside. Yeah, it's brutal, but this is the last cold day. Um, we know how much you love us talking about the weather on the show. Um, so it's the best part of the show. It is the best. We have three more months of this. Like, honestly, uh, like, it, I know. Yeah. What? You guys are, 
I mean, you guys in the weather, it's honestly like if they just told Fauci not to go and do his press conferences and had you guys do those, I'd watch a lot more of them. So. Oh my God. That's good. Um, anything else for us, Mitch? Do you have any other, any other questions for uh, Mirth daddy before we, we let him go? Mm, nothing, nothing that, that can't be handled off offline. Okay. All right. Nothing for the people. Nothing. No, no good ones. Well, Maybe we'll we'll do we'll do a we'll we'll do a second version second version at why not around uh, halftime of the Bucks next game, um Friday night and then but we'll that probably will make it just on the Patreon, um and yeah nowhere, and nowhere Get, no, no, no. yeah getting the squad together and uh, yeah I've I've joined you guys many times uh, on these days so the podcast did not exist the last time the Packers won the Super Bowl in this format correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, Mitch and I got in the booth on the Monday after 2014. Um, I'd have to dig up where it is, but we did. That's, I remember that pretty well. I remember a lot of the different games. Me, my talking my dumb ass into a lot of these different games is, is crazy. And some of the ones where we had no shot at all. Um, and just, yeah, it's great. It's, uh, it's been a ride, but we'll, we'll keep grinding. And if it's Jordan love and it's new, Awesome. And we'll look ahead to that. And if it's Aaron Rodgers, we'll try to get redemption and we'll be cautious, but we'll also hope that maybe next year's different because football is a weird fucking sport. And I do still say, I say it all the time in the show. It's really fucking hard to win a Super Bowl. And while it is really fucking hard, I just wish that the Packers would have made sure they beat the first team before they tried to beat the second team. Yeah. That's kind of along the lines of like, the people that have told me this week how much money I saved. And I'm like, honestly, probably what keeps me you know, working so hard uh, yeah. <laughs> is to use that money on going to the Super Bowl. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, that's... Year, it's, it's great advice. Uh, it's true in the moment, um, but um, you really can't put a number on one of those for me at this point. So yeah, it, it is mean, what it is. But no, I mean, glad, all last... All, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I killed your end. Go ahead. All in all, go ahead. I was just saying, I'm looking forward to episode 500 from you guys. So that's there you uh, go. a couple months away. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to do something fun for that. Um, I also to a couple bright spots. Number number one, I have three bright spots, and then we're we're officially done. Number one, Super Bowl next year is in Arizona. A lot cheaper than LA, like a lot cheaper. So that's, I mean, a huge upgrade there. Number two, we don't play San Francisco next year. Not on the schedule. So that's there. And that's then number the – no, 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 no. Yeah, no, we're, it's yeah. not on the 2022 schedule. We don't just play them in the playoffs. Um, but that's – that's so that's number two, so that's good. Number three, I had this idea yesterday. We'll run it by you. We'll talk more about a Broadhouse Boys, back-to-back Broadhouse Boys, first Saturday, Ducks playoffs, like blow it the fuck out. Like not just, hey, let's talk about it, like actual event and do this thing. So I, I started to think about it. I, I feel like I want to make a t-shirt. I have to probably talk to Broadhouse more to come there, but the, the wheels are turning. This is what the off season does to me. So here yeah. I am. No, I think it's a great idea. And my only co- contribution there is I would love to see Mitch try to eat 500 brats for the 500th episode. And uh, <laughs> wow. try to go fund me now for that. I probably couldn't eat more than like two. And one for oh, fuck off, Mitch. You could eat. Broth are so filling. You could eat at least three or four. 
let's Mitch, could no Mitch. If we got Johnsonville to sponsor you, could Ooh, you eat five hundred brats in one year and see what the plus and minus on the weight gain is? Because oh my God, I have dude. a feeling you wouldn't lose I'd, weight. That I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't lose weight. Too, a couple days. <laughs> Just well, the, yeah, the brat I mean, diet. Have to yeah, that's that's disgusting. <laughs> I like Brock, but my goodness. Also, too, how dare you bring up Johnsonville in this on this podcast? We all know Johnsonville's persona non grata here, but that's you obviously forgot about my wife's fight with Johnsonville. So that's that's, that's on a, you. That, that's that's a bit a bit of a deep cut. Oh yeah, that's not a deep cut. I was talking about it in a group chat recently. There'll be a few that get it, few that don't. And if you need me to explain the Johnsonville story, just hit me up on Daily Tap. All right, Murph. Been good talking to you, buddy. And uh we will uh we'll you and I will get together for some draft talk uh later this winter into spring. Yeah, looking forward to breaking down seventh round draft picks. I'll get wrong. So oh yeah, Brevin <laughs> Jordan. I we I we were on Brevin Jordan, whatever. That was uh, we I bet we could look back and there were a lot of there were we were more right than we were wrong on a lot of guys. All right, that was excellent. I always enjoy uh, talking with Murph. I always enjoy him spending a few minutes with us. It's great. Always, always brings us home. Um, and definitely looking forward to the draft board. Murph and I doing that, whatever we call it, building Murph's draft board. We'll get into that. As I said to Daily Tappers, it makes me more smart about the draft, which I like. So, and speaking of draft picks, a lot of the things that Bucks uh, assets that they have available for the NBA trade deadline. Mitch, where are you with the deadline? You floated out Daniel Tice. How desperate are you for a big man? Do you feel like that is the top priority for the Bucks at this at the deadline? Um, yeah, I mean it probably is, and I'm not talking like a huge name. I think you need to add like along the lines of a PJ Tucker. I mean, you're you're probably not going to find, you know, if there is a guy out there like that in terms of impact, I I don't know at this point who it would be, but just somebody that I only need you for 10 minutes um, to come in and get in the way, get some rebounds. I mean, stuff like that. You know, DeMarcus Cousins was pretty good for that, to just be out there for 10 to 15 minutes, probably not even that in a playoff game, if at all, which is probably part of the reason why they got rid of him. Um, part of me still thinks maybe they can bring him back. I don't know. But with um, Denver. Uh, I know. Play, I know. It's, he'd be, I'll say this, he'd be a nice guy to have for that March 4th game uh, against the Bulls that we are now, <laughs> has now been circled multiple times on the calendar. But yeah. uh, just, I mean, yeah, Daniel Tice, you know, whatever. Not, nah, I mean, I, I didn't float it out there. I just happened to see it, you know, that, that the Rockets are shopping him. And it's like, well, I mean, you could probably get him for next to nothing and um, throw him out there. I mean, he's somewhat versatile. He's like a 6'9", semi-athletic, can sometimes run into a three-pointer, um, probably only against the Bucks, But, um I don't know. I mean, yeah, for example, I, I, I would kind of like that. Is that is young. However, that's candidate. Cool. Definitely. I think, every, well, think everybody's going to get bought out. Certainly. I, I, he, he would have, he would have to get bought out because there's no, 
Um, there's no deal to make the money work really with the Bucks unless you look into trading. I mean, a rotation player, which you're not going to want to do at this point. The only uh, way, the only way that Thad Young is not a bio candidate, if someone has the foresight, whether it's Brooklyn, whether it's Phoenix, whether maybe Utah, I'm just throwing names out there where they're convinced he's going to sign with Milwaukee and they make a trade. And I've been annoyed by the buyout market that, you know, guys basically control it. This is the Andre Drummond thing, right? Where I didn't understand why people didn't just trade for fucking Andre Drummond. And because here's the thing about here, here's the thing about the buyout thing. And I do agree with you, but nine times out of 10, those buyout guys are not as good as they think they are. So, I mean, Blake Griffin, he was, he was nice in the postseason. I, I don't, I think that Giannis ultimately got the best of him, but, uh, he was okay. I mean, Blake's been awful this year. He's, yep. he's kind of in, in and out of the rotation. So, and Drummond was, was a nightmare for the Lakers for the most part. I mean, it was, it was cool. You know, they ESPN, I think they had that next game. The first game he played ESPN had that. So they, they pumped it up that day, but you know, I mean, more often than not, those buyout guys really aren't as good as, as they used to be. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's Marvin, why I said, Mar- Marvin Williams was what? He was pretty mediocre. I mean, he had some moments, oh, but it wasn't like yeah. Marvin Williams was like this savior. Um, and I'm not asking Thad Young to be a savior. I think I'm going to your point of the 10 minutes and getting the guy who can, you know, put a body on a Durant and put a body on a wing and, you know, provide a little more on the wing than what the Bucks are looking for. Eric Name who does a good job at the athletic. Um, he had a great uh, trade primer column that I'll run through with you because name basically does it where he doesn't throw out fake trades that don't work inside the seller cap. So the deal that he had as like the Durant stopper to your point is Robert Covington. Now the Bucks would have to give up four assets to get Covington for the contract to work. It'd be Dante, George Hill, Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood, uh, all for George, for Robert Covington. I guess, first of all, is that too many? I would do that. Really? So you would say, all right, we'll get a buyout guy, backup point guard. We'll figure out that, that the backup point guard part we can solve for. Dante obviously has been, needs a fresh start. Semi has been this year's DJ Augustine. It's only, we like yeah, have well, to come up, we have to come up with like an award for that because now you've had it two years in a row. Like you have that one guy that just sucks. Um, and then Rodney Hood just has not – he's had flashes, but I think Rodney Hood's best days are behind him as a basketball yeah. player, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I would probably – if it's just that poo-poo platter for him, yeah. I, I, I was thinking, you know, when you asked me if big man was the, was the biggest priority, um, backup point guard is, is right there, I think. I just – something about George Hill, man. He's he's okay, but I don't know if he's good enough. I mean, is he better than Jeff Teague? Probably, but George George gets a little tight butthole. George gets a little bit like the moment gets too big for him, which is all we all we talked about with Aaron Rodgers. Like hey, George, and I'm not comparing it to, but I'm just saying like you could tell when that moment is a little bit big for George Hill, and he just kind of can't handle it, and. He doesn't have the composure. Sometimes it's like, oh, wait, it's my turn to shoot. Like, he, what was that game? Was it oh, – I forget the game where he shoots a three out of nowhere, and it's like, what are you doing? 
They lost. Who or was it? Did they lose? I, I can't remember. I, it was a game. Drew was out. They did probably lose at home. It's like middle of the week, and Drew just shoots a three out of nowhere, and it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like it's a close game. Like you're the last person that I want to be shooting a three. I think it was the might have been the Toronto loss on Wednesday. It's like, what are you what are you even thinking about? Like what's going through your head? And I think like George Hill does have those moments. And like, yeah, if you could get a guy like Goran Dragic, who I don't think you will get, but if you could get Goran Dragic off the buyout market, I mean, there's come everywhere, right? Like it's <laughs> That's well, court. except for the except for the fact that I kind of hate going on Dragic. Look, man, so. we hated we hated Ramos Ramirez. We hated fuck. There are a lot of guys we fucking hate, and you just got to get it done. Like mercenaries are mercenaries, and I will take anybody to go back to back, especially after how this Packers season fucking ended. I need a back to back, like I need air to breathe, and so <laughs> I, uh, I, I, no pressure. Really. No, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm just fucking around. But seriously, like, I, I does, I get it. Like, I'm not a huge Goran Dragic fan either, but I think there are a lot of Badger fans who are now Bucks fans, or Badger fans who are Bucks fans, who hated Grayson Allen, and now they're defending the guy. So, like, you flip that switch really quick, and Goran has that toughness. A lot of the stuff that the Bucks bench has, and they, they continue to kind of build this bad guy Bucks mentality. I, again, I think he's probably going to go to Dallas and Luka. Um, that's always been the rumored destination. Dallas has been playing really well of late, unfortunately. Um, and so that's probably where Gorn ends up. But who knows? Maybe he sees it and says, ah, Dallas isn't ready. Dallas is a year away and actually wants to chase a ring. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you laid it out pretty good there. You know, I, I, has he played it all this year? I uh, played he so he played four games, told the Raptors, I don't want to fucking play here. Then when the Raptors had all their COVID stuff, he then bounced in again. So hmm. and he played okay. a little bit and then didn't play. So he has he so you could argue that he isn't he isn't that fresh. He isn't that necessarily um ready well, to he roll. Is fresh. Well, he's fresh, yeah, but he, he could be a little rusty. Right. And it it goes quick sometimes. I mean, oh yeah, so. oh yeah. That especially at a point guard position. I mean, the one part about Goran Dragic is he can't really guard a Cole. Like he's not a good defender, and it, you can put him in some bad matchups. And there are some backup point guards in the Eastern Conference that could exploit that. Most notably, Patty uh, Patty Mills, but there there are others too. Uh, another yeah. name that uh, Eric named named that name wrote by was Larry Nance. Um, the package was a little bit, I, it was one last guy. I think it was because of the contracts. Let me pull that up. It was Dante, George Hill, and Rodney Hood for Larry Nance. So no semi uh, you know, Co- Co- Rocco as name knows better player, better fit, but Nance is cheaper, which would allow for a three to one, um, you know, instead of a four to one, or they could do a four for one for Nance, but with Hill, Hood, Ojale, and Nora, I don't think the Portland's doing that for Larry Nance. I don't know if Portland trades Larry Nance, honestly. If they're like, who could we rebuild? I'm not saying like Larry Nance is like a premier all star player, but I just feel like that's a good player to have for like a rebuild if you're going into it with Damian Lillard and or 
uh, CJ McCollum. Yeah, I'd probably do that deal as well. Um, and Larry Nance is more of a, a post player than Robert yeah. Covington. Right. Um, God, it, it, that's a, that's tough. I guess if I had to pick between the two, because they definitely need a bigger body, but God in the playoffs, you'd like, you'd like Covington to guard Durant and be right. Kind of a switchy. And I mean, let's, let's say they do get Covington, right? Let's say that the stars align. Okay. And I mean, what's your, what's your lineup? You know, cause I, I think we could probably presume Brooke Lopez is back for the, for the postseason at this point. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get too excited, but I don't see why not at this point. Um, we got a ways to go, but would it be Middleton? I guess, yeah, it would be because that's what they did last year. It was Holiday, Middleton, Tucker, Giannis, and and Lopez. So you'd basically plug, um, and then you'd, you'd have Grayson as because Divincenzo would be gone. Yeah, you'd have Grayson as your kind of your southern guard, I guess. Grayson, Grayson, and Pat would be your six and seven rotationally that's your six yeah. and seven Bobby also so that and that's really your eight that's your and you need eight guys that's your rotation right there and the point guard spot would be the question mark and that would be could they make it without a back point guard and that would be maybe one you have to potentially look at as a buyout they did they did last year but then they ended up getting yeah they ended up getting George or uh, Jeff Teague off the scrap heap right um so you know, it can be done. I mean, it's never ain't over till it's over. Um, I yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, I guess you'd prefer Covington in the playoffs versus Larry Nance, but Nance's would probably fill more of a need, right? Probably a regular season need. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And the other guy he mentioned was, and who I don't, the two guys that didn't like in names column, um, I didn't like PJ Washington as a trade. I mean, he's an interesting asset because he's super young and like he's a lottery player but like oh. the experience the experience is like i just worry that once the moment gets big like i don't know if pj washington is ready for that sort of moment um because he's never been in that the deal would be uh hood nora and the bucks 2024 second round pick top 40 protected for pj washington I, Hood and Nora? Yeah. Mitch, look at that. But here, like, look, I like the idea of PJ Washington, like, for the future of the Bucs. Like, we're saying, like, if we're just saying, like, going forward, like, PJ Washington would be a great move to be like, all right, this guy basically is our Bobby replacement because Bobby at some point is going to cash out. I know Bobby loves Milwaukee. And I love Bobby and Bobby should have like his own like statue somewhere, like not a huge <laughs> statue, maybe a plaque. Something should be recognized in Bobby's name, but at some point you're going to need to cash out. Like I, why wouldn't you? Right. Maybe you won't, but if you were like, all right, how do we kind of keep a Bobby like player on the roster? It's PJ Washington. But the question is, is PJ Washington going to be ready for game six against the Nets in a closeout situation. I don't, I don't think he is. Yeah. 
I don't know, probably not, but he's more ready than Jordan War is, probably. I mean, that's fair. That's that's totally fair. Uh, I, that, I that, that's, that's how I'm looking at it is like, sure. I don't know how good Jordan Orr is. I mean, he has some does some cool things here and there, but Bud does not trust him one no. one iota, no. um, and neither, neither do I. Just because he gets so turned around on defense a lot, and you know, overhelps a lot and shit like that, it's just sometimes you know seems to be at inopportune times. So I mean, yeah. The other and one that, that, would, that would I, I don't know what his con is he. Is he a rookie deal? I be would assume so. Yeah, I would assume he's either on a rookie deal or it's expiring. Let me look. The other one he mentioned that I'm out on is Robert, Robin Lopez. I like Robin Lopez. Yeah. Great dude, but yeah, like, we, already we don't need that. to bring, I mean, yeah, we don't need to bring back the fucking bubble box. Like, we, we got already enough, have George we got Hill. Box here yeah, we don't Hill need to bring, we don't, we don't need to bring back the bubble box. Like, no thanks. Uh, so he has a qualifying off, or he's eligible for the rookie extension, a five-year 181. I don't think TJ Washington's going to get that um, next not. year. Next year, 5.8. And then he has a qualifying offer of uh, 7.9 in 2023. And he, or he could be a restricted free agent. So one of the two in 2023. So they, so they still have they, he some money left on that deal. And that obviously at 5.8 next year expiring, that is a very friendly deal if you wanted to flip him to a team that thinks like, okay, maybe we can get lucky with a former lottery pick. I don't know. And why would why would Charlotte trade him? Uh, he's I out of the ro- he's out of rotation. Miles Bridges yeah. has become like a near all-star. I don't think he'll make the all-star team, but like Miles Bridges has been incredible and he's been really good. And he's just not, he doesn't fit in right now with what Charlotte wants to do. And they have too many of the same guys. I, I always, I also thought I it's different and I don't think he'd work with the box, but like Obi Toppin barely plays for the next right now. I think Tibbs just doesn't like the style that Obi Toppin plays. And I'm like, shit, like I think Obi Toppin's good. Like, I, I don't know if he's like a rotation playoff guy, but like Obi Toppin is solid and could help a lot of teams. If I were a team that trying to maybe, fleece the Knicks, I would be reaching out. I don't think they will. I think the Knicks have kind of figured it out in that front office. And I don't think people fleece the Knicks anymore like they used to. Yeah, Obi Toppin's a little bit of a one trick pony. Yeah, a little um, bit. I'd you be could, okay with it, but yeah. And I have no idea if it works. I just there was a name that I that I threw out. Anybody else that we're thinking of before we get you on uh Grayson? Um, as the, that story, I feel like it finally died down today, which thank God, um, it was unbelievable that it lasted well, four it, days. It, it, people had to touch on it on Monday cause it happened Friday night and then the suspension came Saturday and football buried everything. And then it got sort of touched, brushed on Monday night, maybe on your, or Monday during the day too, on your favorite, um, talking head shows. Um, Mike Wilbon just yeah, yeah. I, I happen to be watching PTI live when and, and they they kind of threw it in one of their little 10 second deals and yeah. you know he called him a thug and it's just like you can't do that man okay. he should apologize. I mean, he should probably apologize I, I said that I talked about that yesterday like he asked the he has to apologize for that but I, I couldn't believe someone called him Ted Bundy like I'm like Jesus Christ man Oh, yeah. People so, are comparing him to like serial killers and, and Hitler and stuff like that. 
it's like settle down. So Jones, I mean, it sucks that Caruso got hurt. It does. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, it's fucking basketball. It's just like Aaron. Like, right. should, it's like should Shea should Shea McClellan got suspended for driving Aaron or Anthony Barr is a better example. Should Anthony Barr got suspended for driving Aaron Rodgers into the ground and causing his broken collarbone? It's not Anthony Barr's fault. Was it kind of dirty? Yeah. Is it something that I don't really want to see in, in football? Yeah, it's it's kind of, but it's not necessarily, quote unquote, it wasn't a personal foul. It wasn't a penalty. And Grayson Allen's foul would not have been a personal foul 10 years ago. And it was so funny to hear all these Bulls fans, half of them who remember Jordan, like watch like four episodes of the fucking last dance. And you'd understand that this is this is basketball. It's what is yeah. what it used to be. Well, that's that's what I'm. That's what I was going to say. Was it's funny to hear someone like a Mike Wilbon, yeah. uh, who is is in his sixties probably, Mister fucking um, Chicago, Mister Chicago, Mister I need ninety. Everybody would wants nineties basketball back. These talking head guys, and then here they are crying about how this doesn't doesn't belong in basketball. And it's like there was four motherfucking plays this that happened after that that were just as dirty over the weekend. That didn't nobody even talked about it, and, and you know, thank God, the Bucks got a little talk, you know, finally somewhere, um, a little drama, and uh, but like if you watch like what happened to Jalen Suggs, yeah, which was like the same night against the Lakers, probably, I mean, almost worse. I don't know. I, I watched uh, No Dunks, aka the Basketball Jones, aka the Starters. Yeah, they talked about it and. Tass's soft ass was saying Grayson should get at least three um, games because he came because he came across the play like he came across yeah. instead of coming straight on or you know being you know taking a charge or something and pulling him down he came came across and swung the arm. It could have been more than one, but Jokic only got one, right? Right for what he did and Jokic yeah. what Jokic did was was okay so what Jokic did was probably more dirty but he was also actually provoked so that might have been considered in the one game suspension where Morris kind of was the one who started it um and Jokic definitely finished it but um um well, we'll see I guess it's I don't know if they play a, again but I, I so I said this yesterday I would love to hear your thought I feel like the Bucks have a mental edge over the rest of the league right now I think just give it, and then maybe it's me. I'm spending too much time on Twitter, whatever. But all these fans complaining about how Giannis is dirty. Remember Kyrie two weeks ago said Giannis, you know, put his foot down, you know, all this bullshit. And now you got this. Like, it's like, are you guys just not as tough as the Bucks? Are you guys scared of the Bucks? Are you, is it a situation where like we just have the mental edge over maybe everybody but Miami? Because I think Miami just. Well. We've all thought Kyrie Irving is full of shit the last five years, and now we're gonna believe him. <laughs> no, I know that's yeah, that's the ironic thing, right? Like this guy has been maybe the worst like public speaker athlete that we've had in the last like five years, and now it's like, okay, we're believing you, dude. We got you. It's all bullshit. <laughs> and like I know that I think what Bud will probably try to do as a consequence is Bud's gonna talk to Grayson and be like, Hey, look. You did nothing wrong. I have no problem with it. But I would just be careful the next month 
month and a half because there will be a microscope on you. And the last thing the Bucs want is their hard fouls being looked at before playoff time. Because I will tell you right now, there's a chance the Bucs are going to be in a couple wars if this goes. Like, Brooklyn will be a war. I said Brooklyn wrong. That's fine. It's okay. Get over it, people. Uh, also, you know, Philadelphia, a war. Uh, Miami, I mean, that that's like Russia-Ukraine right now. Like, that's that's serious <laughs> shit. Like, I, I I don't know. Like, Kyle Lowry, DJ, like, oh, my God. Like, that. Give me that's Butler. Like, that's like a Packer Niner fourth quarter, like, like seven times over. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really feel like playing Miami. I'll, I'll just be honest. Um, so it's like there are going to be eyeballs on the Bucks, unfortunately. Are you and scared of Miami? Are you scared of the Heat? Are you scared of the I'm Heat? I'm scared of the Heat. I just – look, I just know it's going to be a knockdown, drag-em-out fight. And I, I will say yeah. I do th- – Eric Spolstra scares me. Not necessarily the Heat. Eric Spolstra just kind of knows how to play Bud's system. That's, that's what scares me. And that's I know I realize they swept them, everything like that. This is a d- different team. Well, they've added a bunch of guys. I don't give a fuck what Toronto's record is. I don't think we'd be. Oh yeah, series. yeah. Toronto's another one like, where Charlotte, Charlotte. So let's talk about Cleveland real quick because the Bucks play them tonight. Like, if if the Bucks lose to Cleveland tonight, now everybody's healthy, everybody's playing. That has to like a little bit. I know the last game they played Cleveland, nobody played. So I'm very interested to watch that because Giannis did really well against Mobley the first time around. Mobley has been great. I love Devin Mobley. I think I told you guys that. I don't know if you remember that. You probably don't. But I was I was on Evan Mobley for a while here and was like, I think Evan Mobley's best guy in this draft. And I just love I like Jared Allen. Like I that Brooklyn team won me a lot of money. Um, and I don't know if you, one of the things that we ended up talking to Kaz on the way home, Mitch, shout out to Kaz, was just talking about how much he's been making money off the, uh, Cavaliers and Grizzlies this year gambling. It's like, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's the American dream, but yeah, I very fascinated to watch the bucks against the Cavaliers. And then I'm excited to bury the Knicks on Saturday, Friday night when I'm going to be probably seven, seven to 12 <laughs> beers deep, just yelling at, yeah. at Murph's TV. They need. They owe the next one for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, oh yeah, especially especially the way that game went on a Friday night back in November, early November. Right. That was probably like the that was in the middle of their uh, slow start, if you will. One of the, the few blazes the Bucks have had this year, where they just decide they don't want to play basketball for a little while. So well, and they were but, up by like fifteen in the first quarter in that game, right. and then just like couldn't make shit. But to um, me, like, I would qualify Cleveland as the one where you want to send a message, right? Like, you want to just kind of – it's maybe not at that level of, like, tender, like uh, your Golden State, your Brooklyn, but it's kind of at that Memphis level, how they, you know, handled Memphis. And I'll be a fired-up crowd. I mean, Cleveland, it, they had a full house against the Knicks uh, two nights ago, and that was a that was an old-school 90s, 95, yeah. 93. Like it's, I watched that game. I watched a good chunk of that game. Um, that was, you know, that was a typical Knicks game. The Knicks, the Knicks tend to, they're one of the slower teams, I think, in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, so they, they tend to play some, you know, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland can probably is one of the becoming one of those teams that can, that can beat you in a lot of different ways. 
Um, Darius Garland, too, who you didn't really mention. Yeah. Um, has been kind of a sneaky all-star, like probably not in the popularity contest, but, you know, basketball nerds and shit, they're, they're looking at him as like, you know, a fringe all-star right now, probably is a year away, I guess, you know, but he looks, he looks pretty good too. And Rondo, I think it's filled in nicely that backup point guard spot that, um, man, be nice to have him on the box actually when I think about it as much as I don't really like him but I I just hope he fucks up the chemistry yeah I just hope we get to get the Dennis Schroeder Schroeder rumors for like the fifth year that Bud's been the head coach of the box and people just (laughs) kind of forget that Bud and him didn't really like each other Uh, but we'll see Uh, all right so we can move on do a little college roundup Uh, I guess choose your own adventure you want to talk a little college football or you want to talk a little college basketball? We should probably hit on the Caleb Williams stuff real quick. Oh, okay, yeah. But... I mean, it's it's in the news. So, for those unfamiliar or hadn't seen it come through, Caleb Williams, apparently Wisconsin's the favorite to land the Oklahoma transfer quarterback. Big boy, 6'5", 6'6", dual threat, can throw it, can pass it, can be considered a top pick in the NFL draft. In a few years, everybody thought Caleb Williams was going to go to USC, um, and now it looks like he might be headed to Wisconsin. Absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd would be probably the biggest recruiting win for Paul Chris in a long time. It would also be hilarious considering that people were ripping Paul Chris for his recruiting class, which was kind of weird because they didn't have, like, a lot of scholarships to get. They just didn't. They – they had very few because they have a bunch of guys coming back next year. And they looked in the transfer portal and said, all right, Caleb Williams is better than Graham Mertz is basically what they're saying here. And they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to go after this guy. And it's, you know, there are the, the stars are aligning. It looks like they're going to hire Bobby Ingram, former bear to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Bobby Ingram had a relationship with Caleb Williams out of high school. Ingram has been coaching the Ravens. Um, of late, he's a tight ends coach. And then you have the Russell Wilson uh, angle where Russell Wilson and Caleb Williams are buds, I guess, mentor maybe, mentor mentee. Sounds like something Russell Wilson would be into. Um, and that's, I, I would assume, pulling Caleb Williams in that direction. He also has an obsessive father, which that worries me. Um, as someone who cheered for Marquette during the Jerron Maiman days, um, obsessive fathers just give me the chills. They, it's always a a great, you know, thing that could break a, a great player. Just is. So you wouldn't you wouldn't like if the Bucks had John Morant because his dad's like sits courtside and. I mean, it's, I would, uh, it's different. It's different in the pros. I would love John Morant. It just weirds me out more than anything else. Yeah. Like it just, it just sort of is like one of those things. With, not as, well. Pro level, it weirds me out. College level, it just makes me nervous that, like, they're going to just rock the boat. Odell Beckham's dad, too. Like, you don't need to be putting out fucking mixtapes about your son. Like, just don't oh. need the extra distractions is basically what I'm yeah. saying. Well, that and, shit doesn't fly. It's just in, in the pros. I mean, no, it, it's just, you know, I feel like a lot of these guys probably have obsessive fathers. And you just yeah. maybe hear about more, you know, more some than some more than others. Um, but I don't know, hearing this Caleb Williams stuff, you know, you, 
think you heard about it last week. Yeah. Right? And people early, thought it was kind of like, yeah, get out of here. It's you're just funny. Shit. Yeah. But it's like, I can't help but think like, would Paul Chris know how to use him? Like, it'd be like having a Ferrari and, you know, <laughs> not being I mean, able to put it in drive. Like, I would imagine be, like leaving it, leaving it. He'd probably put, he'd probably have Graham Mertz play for a year over, <laughs> over him. That's a, I mean, it's a fair question, but I mean, Paul Chris was the offensive coordinator when Russell Wilson was there. So what got Paul Chris hired to Pittsburgh, I believe if I'm doing my timeline, right. I might have that off, but it was a, I mean, that was a great Badger team. They were two Hail Marys away from, you know, being right there with the BCS, like as crazy as that is. Like if he looks at that offense and says, all right, what do I have to update to this? I think Paul Chris knows that he needs to improve his offense. He knows he needs to get better. And maybe the reason why they went hard at Caleb Williams and they kind of put the full court press on him was they looked at it and said, it's not my offense's problem. It's Graham Mertz. And I don't know. I have no idea there. I well, think they're, I think their receivers are all right. You know, I think Shimmer DK is a solid slot kind of guy that could just easily valve and Caleb Williams at times is a little out of control at Oklahoma, but the guy's a electric. He has an arm and yeah, you might want to get another receiver in the portal that kind of takes the top off and can just expose that deep ball. And you're right. Make sure you're using all the parts of the Ferrari, not well, just. And here's, here's my problem is does, is Caleb Williams a product of Lincoln Riley system? And is he able to do or adapt to a more pro style, if you will, or it's hard to even call it. It's hard to even call what Wisconsin does pro style at this point too. I mean, just with how, how much the spread has come to the NFL and stuff, it's hard to, you know, just sort of that, you know, I form two back system. Yeah. You know, if I was if probably I was not pull- as much shotgun. If I was Paul Christ, I would be basically just be studying what Josh Allen is doing right now. To me, Caleb Williams has a lot of what Josh – like, best-case scenario for Caleb Williams, he's Josh Allen. And I would be, okay, what are those quarterback runs out of shotgun? How are they using – how are they using Josh Allen's arm strength? And that's who I would be calling. I'd be calling the Bills and being like, what What can I do? Call him Brian Dable, and how do I sort of get that? Taking concepts, too, from Ohio State and Justin Fields. That's a little more spread heavy, but I think that Wisconsin would adapt. I think Paul Christ is not a stick of mud. He's not Kurt Ferentz. And he might he might be, and I might be wrong, but like I don't think he will just completely force Caleb Williams into being this uh, I-formation quarterback. I guarantee you they had conversations about this. I have well, to think if, if, he's, if, if he's at this point of like, I'm going to go to Wisconsin, They've had to have conversations about that. Yeah, you'd think so. And I think Paul Chris, I mean, I guess we're going to find out if he's a stick in the mud pretty much this year. I mean, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's getting to be, it's getting the, the fan base, I think, got a little not fed up with him, but very tired of it. I think um, after the way this season ended again, where it's just like, we can't keep doing this. I mean, we gotta. Right. Yeah, gotta you gotta try le- something else. You gotta level up. You gotta level up. You have to figure out a way. You're never gonna be Ohio State. You're never gonna be Michigan. 
But maybe you could be like Oklahoma State, right? Where Oklahoma State was in it at the end. They played really well and they almost got to the they almost got to the playoff. And if the playoff expands, which it should and it will probably, make sure that you're a part of that. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, and definitely I, I, I do agree that like probably getting into for Wisconsin getting into the top four is fairly unrealistic. Um but a top eight scenario or whatever they decide to do, if they expand it, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility to be because like winning the big, big 10 outright and, and getting the big 10 championship game is pretty fucking hard yeah. just with, just with Ohio state being over there mainly. Um, Cause you know, they're going to be pissed next year. Oh yeah. I mean, and, they're going to be there. I mean, to me, they're the number one team out, out the gates next year. I mean, yeah. with CJ Stroud coming back, Jackson, Najiba. Uh, they have the the running back too. I forget I forget his name now. Hendrickson. He's back. Their entire team's back. Like I I, I don't know how you can't look at them and say they're not a team a got a team that um that is that is basically the yeah to reckon with for sure. But we'll have to see. We'll see what Caleb Williams. It's nice to talk about college football. It was nice to talk about basketball. Get our minds off uh, the Packers after getting done with Murph. Um, so. But we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. Just Mitch and I probably next week. More Bucks. We'll have a Super Bowl. We'll see how much we want to hate ourselves with that Super Bowl. Um, we'll also do any, you know, I'm sure NBA will be cooking. I think people will start becoming experts in college basketball uh, as we'll be a month yeah. pretty much away from, from March Madness. It's just kiss of death is slowly but surely coming. We can't wait. <laughs> yeah, everybody's a bracketologist. By, yeah, uh, yeah everybody's. Oh, I, that's, I have a great Joel Lenardi rant that I'm going to save. Um, that'll make my friend Pat Luce very happy. I have, I'm just going to holster it. I have a great Lenardi rant guy just has mailed it in, but that's just, it's a, a little preview of probably next week or the weeks after. So we will uh, talk to you next week. We'll catch you on daily tap tomorrow. Take care. See you.